Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia, and welcome to CLNS World Headquarters here <laughs> in Boston. This is the Garden Report, CLNS headquarter version of uh, the Garden Report. I'm Mike Petralia, joined by Clevis Murray and the executive producer and the founder of the network. <laughs> yeah, you should take a bow. After, after Nick the, the world headquarters, I, yeah, I can take that. Man. You, you world should take a bow. headquarters of where? Uh, of CLNS Media. And this Garden Report, Nick, did you know this Garden Report is brought to you by draftkings.com use promo code clns yes that's us clns uh, at draftkings.com for a free match play go to draftkings.com now and after you're watching the show and be sure please (laughs) wait uh, watch the show be informed but use the promo code clns at draftkings.com all right uh gentlemen let's get to the garden report let's get to the business of the celtics taking care of the 76ers 114 to 103 and certainly the way this game started on thursday in london it looked like the rust was getting to the Celtics. Yeah. They fell down by 22 points, 49-27. Kyrie was front-ending every, every shot, shot. Yeah, it looked like. It wasn't a good they didn't have their legs. But sure enough, the Celtics, as they always seem to do, and the Sixers, as they always seem to do, <laughs> found their level. <laughs> and the Celtics really, thanks to, uh, in large part to, I think, terrific play by Jason Tatum in the second half, turned it on. For that 114-103 win, their seventh straight victory, they are 34-10. and They are in great shape, the best record in the NBA, clearly the best record uh, in the East. Gentlemen, what were your takeaways? We'll start with you, Clevis. I think it just shows the Celtics' resolve, you know, to be down 22 points and to come back against a good Sixers team, even though they're number nine seed, shows that this team can come back against anyone and do it in a foreign country. I mean, Celtics probably goes from the U.S. to London, anywhere uh, I think it shows also Jason Tatum stepping up where you see your team is down and they need you the most. Right. He came alive in the third and fourth quarter. And also Marcus Morris, 19-8 and eight off the bench. He also played a big role despite his little skirmish with Ben Simmons. No, was, that was the best part. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, it's great to see Morris back for sure. And, mm-hmm. and also I think the takeaway, Trags, I mean, Jason Tatum. I mean, come on. It seems like every edition of the Garden Report, this is what we're talking about. Jason Tatum. When I see a game Celtics coming back the way they did – and Kyrie Irving only has 20 points, and we're talking Jason Tatum. The Celtics' future is so bright. Yeah. Well, Wait, before you go, how long you have been doing this? How many rookies have you seen prior to Tatum come through Boston that you had such a good feeling about their future well, for? I, Obviously I, Pierce. Pierce would be the 
place I'd really start. It's ironic because you didn't feel this way about Rajan Rondo no. until year number two. <laughs> yeah, really? I mean, because 2003 almost. There were questions going into 08 about Rondo. That's about true, that. but Rondo certainly took over yeah. in the 2008 playoffs, yeah. and, and he was. That's when all the placards came up. You got Rondo. Yeah, I'm wondering that, yeah. what all of the um, – Placards are going to read in the playoffs about Jason Tatum because clearly Celtics Nation believes that Jason Tatum yep. can take this add. team yeah. to and big places. Tregs, like, think about it. The same Celtics Nation that almost had a complete meltdown and panic attack when Red, Red Auerbeck, I mean Danny Ainge, <laughs> traded down the number one pick to get him. Okay. We, we'll get to this later, but when you have a game like this, yeah. when you have Markel Fultz looking horrible in warm-ups. And, that you know, jump shot does not look good at no, all. No, it looks worse. Yes. It looks worse now. The hitch looks worse. And when you contrast that with the way Jason Tatum played in the clutch in the second half when the Celtics needed him, as they, you know, a lot of their comeback came right before halftime, but they yeah. continued that momentum into the second half because Jason Tatum got involved. When you contrast what Markel Fultz is right now with what Jason Tatum is right now. Oh, my, oh my God. I mean, it's light years. Uh, it is light years, Clevis. Take, take Ben Simmons, Clevis, uh, Clevis, out of the equation here. Who is not light years away from Tatum at this point in that draft class? It's just Tatum by himself. To me, I think if Ben Simmons, who's a redshirt rookie, Tatum's, it it would be between Tatum and Donovan Mitchell in Utah for Rookie of the Year. But easily Tatum would win. I think Tatum shows that he has the potential to be a superstar in this league every single game. Has he had a bad game yet? Yeah, he's had one or two. Certainly he's had off (laughs) games, and and even in the first half. But nothing that makes you scratch your head like, man, he's he's hitting the rookie wall. I don't see any sign of that. What's impressive about what Tatum did today was it was on the big stage, his team was down, and they turned to him in the second half, and he was a spark plug against still a talented 76ers team that has zero confidence. But still, (laughs) still, you know, they're a a talented team, and Tatum really stepped to the floor. Speaking of confidence, Brad Stevens, I mean, think about it this way, Treggs, Clevis. Would any other – would Tatum be excelling as much as he is under – three-quarters of the other coaches in the NBA. And the reason I say this is because Brad Stevens doesn't even get mad when Marcus Smart shoots. So how many NBA head coaches are going out there and saying to a rookie, you have free, just go do it? And to your point, Nick, I completely agree with you. I think with Brad Stevens, it just shows the confidence. Because I think if Tatum was on another team, such as like the Suns or the maybe the, the Kings, he wouldn't be performing because when you're on a bad team, you make bad decisions. Correct. When you're on a good team, you're learning from guys like Kyrie Irving, NBA champion Horford, a respected veteran, Brad Stevens, a respected coach. You pick up good habits that go long in your career. And early in the season, Kyrie Irving did talk about the beautifulness of having someone to start with a right. winning culture. Right. All right, let's talk about where this Celtics team is right now in terms of the season. They're 34-10. and 10. Uh, They head into the uh, their little mini break after London uh, with a lot of momentum, the seven-game winning streak we were talking about, and they take on future Celtic Anthony Davis <laughs> and the New start Orleans the former Celtic and Pelicans. And former Celtic Rajon Rondo. And uh-huh. former Celtic Rajon Rondo uh, and his 25 assists. Um <laughs> Not that that was uh, blown up or anything. Um, But anyway, they take on the Pelicans on Tuesday night at TD Garden. And I think that there'll be some fascinating storylines going into that game. But the Celtics are in great shape here with the Pelicans and a rematch with the Sixers at TD Garden a week from tonight. 
to really take command of the number one spot in the East for a second straight year. Yeah, I think the Celtics, I think this is the part of the schedule where you start, start seeing a little lighter competition, to say, because you which have Which is team, amazing. Which is amazing, because when you think about it, they played a lot of tough games early in the season. You have the Spurs, Rockets, Warriors, teams of that nature, the up-and-coming Bucks. Rockets. Rockets, yep. So now you play little teams that are below your playing weight. You got to maybe experiment a little bit. I mean, we've seen Abdul Nader play a little bit. Shane Larkin's being able to play. I think it gives the team more of an opportunity to see what else they can do. The other thing, too, is my question, the, the flip side of that. The Celtics performed so well following the, the Hayward injury after yes. kind of getting back on their feet, no pun intended, from the Hayward <laughs> back, from the, the Hayward injury. And they hit their stride, and they played so well with such a compressed and condensed schedule. Right. Today, it almost felt like you said they didn't have their legs. Is less games and less, I guess, challenges going to allow the team to maybe settle back? But you've seen it happen with the old Look, if there's teams. any team that knows how to manage the rest – and do what's best. I mean, we talked about it in the off season how the Celtics restructured their medical science um, and training staff. Yeah. Really, they overhauled it. And this is one of the reasons, and I think one of the benefits we're seeing, is that the Celtics yes. know how to manage when they play a lot of games in a short period of time or That's very few games in a longer period of time. I think with the Celtics going for it, I think when you have less games and more days off, only surprised if the team wins 60 games. You know, well, oh, I mean, I at this point, they're yeah, it's yeah. pretty. I inevitable. think people would be disappointed yeah. I'll if say they didn't. That I, my prediction is I see the Celtics winning high six, mid sixties. I'll say sixty four, sixty five, sixty six. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, they're on track. I, yeah. I had them at fifty three wins, so I'm way off. <laughs> but that's a tribute to who? Brad Stevens, coach of the year, easily. We hope. Yes, I would think. It's, so. I think it's a one man race. In the past, he might be too, but this year has to be with the Hayward injury. I would say. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole new topic. That's a whole other topic. Let, yes. Okay. But Kyrie Irving is a big part of that. Correct. And there was a lot of questions about his leadership leadership abilities, his selfishness or unselfishness in this on this team. He has done everything that we as journalists would expect of a leader of a, of a, a franchise. So you bring up. Gordon Hayward. Yeah. We have to talk about uh, Danny Ainge and his appearance on 98.5, the, the flagship station of the radio flagship right. of the Celtics, and him do taking they have world Cel- headquarters here in. No, they, do. <laughs> no, they, they were doing it at their <laughs> world, Celtics world, world headquarters, headquarters in Waltham, right. Massachusetts. But anyway, um, I'm on a roll, Nick. Please know, don't I interrupt me. That's the best part, though. I love, I love it. Taking you off track. But what did you think of Danny Ainge saying, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that, and, and taking a little bit of grief for taking that uh, picture and tweeting out the picture yeah. of Gordon Hayward by yeah, the Yeah, well, let pole. me tell you something. Last night we were filming uh, here in, in the World Headquarters. Yes. And uh, I said to Jeremy, our producer, I said, I, I think that Ainge didn't think about it before he did it, which is so on Danny Ainge. It seems like every – and Jerry said, there's no way he had that pre-calculated. <laughs> but hearing Danny on Toucher and Rich today and seeing how annoyed Brad was when he got off the right. plane in London, yeah. Yeah. I think Danny Ainge actually had a slip of mind there and, and tweeted that out. The hubbub was great, but as according to the team, the doctors, Stevens, and now Ainge today on Toucher and Rich – He's just on schedule, Gordon. It's no, they're still assuming he's coming back next year, not this year. Okay, and although the, Gordon, I think maybe has a different. The other idea thing is, that. remember, and I've and I've had a sports uh, orthopedic uh, right. surgeon tell me, it's great that he's right. out of his brace and all, but, but to go from that stage to playing. 
practicing, forget playing, practicing is a stretch by late March. Here's the thing, Craig. In my opinion, I think the practicing is – it can't be more valuable, but it's almost as valuable as the playing. So if Gordon Hayward can start practicing with the team by the playoffs but can't play mm-hmm. or could play and we're, the Celtics are holding him out, I'm thrilled because now the practices just got more intense – the youngsters have another veteran to mentor them. I almost think Hayward, at this point, thinking the Celtics need him 10 years out, save his health, but get him back practicing when he can. I like and the, that's going to benefit the Celtics. Great idea for CLS I do like that point. Article. So look, there you <laughs> I go. got you on that, Nick. That's a very creative idea to have Hayward practice and not play. I didn't think about that aspect of it where you can just have him train with the team, play with the team in practice. Be a huge benefit. But yeah, be a benefit to the team and just not play. You think but about it this way, how much KG benefited the, the, the teams 09? that he went on, or even after that, uh, the teams he went on after his prime, just to be in the practices with them and not playing necessarily. I think it's a similar situation. I cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to say, what I took away from the picture was the way Hayward's ankle looked. I don't know. It looked a little it did look different. a little. I know. Yeah. Did you notice that yeah. too? Yeah. Well, somebody was saying, look at the way the two ankles are pointing, are turned and pointing in different directions. But look, I mean, what are you going to? You're not going to. Please don't take so much (laughs) from a stupid picture on Twitter. Or you know what I mean? There's so many conspiracy theories with a crystal clear picture to have a you know president of basketball operations tweeting out a picture with him with uh, Gordon. It was pretty Danny Ainge funny. (laughs) It was Danny Ainge funny, but. So we go from talking about Gordon Hayward to the players that I think on the team have really picked up the slack for him. We talked about Marcus Morris, but Marcus Smart um, and Terry Rozier off the bench. I don't think enough people have really talked about how significant their contribution has been up until uh, today, and today they weren't nearly as significant coming off the bench. Terry Rozier in particular. But I think Terry Rozier is one of those players – that is really going to be hard for the Celtics to come to a decision on after the season. I was just about yeah. to mention it. It's funny that they're both having their breakout years and contract years. Well, it's not funny. I mean, that happens quite a bit in the NBA. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're very right about no, that. No, but you're right. But I think with Marcus Smart, you see him balling out this year, having a very good year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, excuse me, restricted free agent this right. summer. And then you have Rozier. Literally, during the same summer, you can extend both of them. If you're the Celtics, though, do you think you can resign both? Oh, that's a, that's, that's a very a tough, tough question. And who would you rather keep? Because you can't I'd keep, keep both. I'd keep Rozier. Over Smart. I really would. And I'm going to tell you why. He we, wants to be a starter. Remember that. Rozier well, said he wants to. Where are you hearing to, that? He, he said he said it he himself. He said that? Yes. Oh, no inside source. No that. inside not, source, not sadly. With <laughs> so, uh, you keep Terry Rozier because I think he can score and he can rebound. Yeah, Those are two okay. of the three, yep. whereas Marcus Smart is a tremendous defender. Nobody disputes. He can defend guys that are he, when he gives up six or seven inches on him, he can actually body them up to a, to a degree in the low post. But I think if push comes to shove, you keep Terry Rozier in that case, if you have to keep one okay. or the other. I, I agree. I think I would prefer Terry Rozier. He's a better shooter, yeah. defender. I mean, it's a toss between them. He's more athletic than Smart, in my opinion. I think he has more of an up side than smart as well i think with smart he's kind of limited and we have jacob over here another producer over here that's making a shock face i'm gonna get beat up on this too because i'm gonna tell you i think and i'm i have been since covering the team 
on a regular basis now. I have seen Marcus Smart in ways that I hadn't as a spectator on television covering the team because you get to see what's off camera. Yeah. What Marcus Smart does defensively is, and his instincts defensively are absolutely incredible. Don't show him the box score. But I don't know that that outweighs his inability and potentially lack of great instincts on offense. And that's what gets you paid in the NBA. That's, Correct. Yeah, and that's and, the way the league is going. Yeah. Like, when we were going, it was it was defense, 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 bad boys, pistons. It's not that way anymore. No, it's not. But I would tell you that Marcus Smart, to me, has a lot of similarities with Avery Bradley. Very much a leader in that room, very in true. that a locker room, way, yeah. in a different way. Yeah, but very, very different. I had somebody tell me last year on the team – that the real leader of that locker room, and that was last year, was Marcus Smart. He was the most vocal. He would say what needed to be said in a very, in very concise and direct terms, which players like because yeah. they don't like players that go off on rambling, raging, yeah. Uh, yeah. angry rants yeah. like I would. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like you were 15 minutes ago on the producers. They like a player. They like a player. Look, I love Jake. I know. All right? I love Jeremy. I know. Well, Jeremy, yeah. Don't be throwing me under the bus. <laughs> but they want players who can get to the point, make their point, be serious about it, yes. and then move on. And that's what Marcus Smart does. Not to mention, he's accountable. He holds himself accountable. Very. Marcus Smart will tell you when he sucked. And I, I, I kind of like that. You know, I mean, I like the beat because that, that sets a precedent for, for everybody else. Uh, internally, you hear over and over and over. You hear it from Brad Stevens. You hear it from his teammates. He's the backbone of this team. You, Al Horford was saying it. So it is a tough debate. Yeah. Rozier, Smart, when it all comes down to it, I think uh, in the long haul, the versatility of, of Rozier, and I don't mean that necessarily how many positions, more so his defensive and offensive balance is what's going to keep him in Boston. I think eventually Marcus is going to aim for a starting role somewhere. Yeah. We glossed over it, okay? Yeah. But, Anthony Davis, what would you do if you were Danny Ainge? First of all, you make him a priority because they've obviously yeah. look. They, there's sources around the NBA that have said that the Celtics keep that door open there or in a continuing yeah, yeah. talks just to make sure that if something becomes available regarding Anthony Davis, that they're ready to go. What do you think that would be, Clevis? I mean, I think honestly, from my point of view, I don't think the Celtics should really pursue Anthony Davis. I think you hold on to the Lakers pick you end the draft. The Celtics, I think, are going to pursue a center. Mo Bamba or DeAndre Ayton. I think both of those guys have all-star potential and kind of could become kind of like an Anthony Davis type player. DeAndre Ayton, if you guys haven't watched him, one of the best players in the country. Could be the number one, two, number one pick, maybe number two. Mo Bamba's the lankiest guy you'll ever see in the NBA. I think you don't trade the pick unless you have like a deal that you know is kind of like a steal, like the net, not in the Nets way, but like you know you're winning it regardless of what anyone says. Then you go for it. But I think for the Celtics, you keep the pick. And you don't need to worry about Anthony Davis. Hmm. Nick. Interesting. Nick. Anthony Davis, I, I think it all depends on the combinations, right? Uh, I, don't, I would not go anywhere near Jason Tatum for an Anthony Davis. Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, I'd send. Okay. I would. Uh, the Lakers pick, I'd probably send. Uh, uh, first Al of all, Horford, if you're going to do that, first of all, not to interrupt you, yeah. but you have to make the numbers work. So well, it's know, either that's where I'm Al Horford tricks. or Gordon Hayward. I know. I know it's that. It's one of those two. You've got to say. And that's where I'm going. It would pain me tremendously to see Al Horford. On a number of different levels. Uh, you're right. Yes. And and I think Al is is just 
so underappreciated. I mean, and to see him go, it would really hurt the Celtics. Yes. And, but but at the same time, there ain't no way we're not bringing Gordon Hayward on the court first. Like, Gordon Hayward's not getting traded. So I right, pass so, on Anthony Davis if that's the numbers that you have but, to take. But look, I'm bringing all of this up. Yeah. Not I love to, it. I love to, it. Not <laughs> to get uh, under the skin of those who love Al Horford, and very understandably so. I'm bringing this up. Hold on. I'm bringing this up <laughs> this because there are – there is legitimate discussion uh, regarding the Celtics, and they are keeping those talks active with the Pelicans. Because legit, Al Horford, his contract's up, what, next year? He has one yeah. more. He has this right, year and next year. Up very soon. Right? And, and at that point, he's, what, 32, going on 33? Mm-hmm. He's in that KG territory. where we, right. And the Celtics are not in the, in, the, in the position to pay that kind of money to a 32, 33-year-old big man. The logical move is to move Al Horford out for the long term. For the short term, I think it would severely hurt this team. Yes. Um, and or, uh, Anthony Davis, yeah, he's unbelievable talent. Does his injuries concern me? Yeah, they do a little bit. Well, no, I was going to uh, you know, wrap it up here by talking about a franchise. That- <laughs> no, I wanted to go <laughs> there. Oh, you go there. I, I, I'm going to make this transition because I'm, I'm Have watching- we been going on long enough, by the way, to <laughs> yeah. suit your purposes? I just want to make sure that we're not I can go shit. till tomorrow if you'd like to. I can talk uh, to you all much night. I know. You've been saying that all night. Uh, no. <laughs> go. Go. So, I, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching the game, obviously, preparing for this and uh, tuning into Twitter a little bit. <laughs> you know, and, I, and all of a sudden my feed blows up and I'm not even getting uh, tagged on the tweets just my main t- streamline because all I see are Mike Petralia at Trags <laughs> devastating the Philadelphia 76ers I mean in a way that I've only seen you so mad maybe on one or two occasions okay. usually at me <laughs> okay here. so explain to me why are you so pissed off? <laughs> because I, I'll tell you why. Honest, I'll give you an honest, honest take here. Look, no, full I disclosure, wouldn't. I grew up rooting for the Sixers, went to Villanova uh, from Cincinnati, but I went to school, college in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I grew up with those 76ers of the late 70s, early 80s through the mid 80s and saw some, you know, and my favorite Sixer growing up was Andrew Tony. Oh, the, the Boston Cajun, Strangler. The Boston I mean, Strangler. Correct. And these, these people viewing have no clue who this guy is. But. Right, but we'll, Google him. we'll advance. Yeah, Google, okay. him. Yeah, no idea. Google him, please. Andrew Tony, Learn. Mo Cheeks, Dr. J. I hope I you've heard of Dr. Lineup. J. Yeah. But anyway, fast forward to 2012. Moses Malone. Okay. Moses Malone, obviously. Four, four, Daryl Dawkins. Fo, 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 fo. Yeah, what about Daryl Dawkins? Um, then actually. Chocolate Thunder. Yep. Um, hey, you know that one. Yeah, then then there was <laughs> 2001, and then the 2002. 2002, the Sixers game five is really, really when Paul Pierce, I thought, really broke onto the scene and had one of his yes essential on uh, a main stage. You know, game five, yep. he took over, and the Celtics blew out the Sixers yep. in game number five to advance to the second round. Uh, and that was against the defending Eastern Conference You're getting off track today. But what happened? That's, hold on. <laughs> hold on. 2012, the Sixers and Celtics go to seven games. And I'm like, wow, this is great. The Sixers-Celtic rivalry might be coming back. It was awesome. It, the, that 2012 series was a terrific series. Thank of course, you, Derek Rose's knee. The Celtics, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the Celtics, uh, Sixers beat the number one seed Bulls yep. in that in yep. that year. Um, but now, 
through four years, five years of Sam Hinkie and now Brian Colangelo. <laughs> the process. The process. I have a big, big, big problem with the process, okay? Because it looks like they're throwing together all of these talented players with no concept of how to develop them. And if you've watched the Sixers this year, it wasn't just today against the Celtics. <laughs> They've blown 24-point leads against Golden State. They were up huge against San Antonio, managed to win that game. There were four or five other big leads that they blew and lost. They lost to the Phoenix Suns by 15 know, points with uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the lineup. What are your thoughts on Joel Embiid? Okay, I think he's overrated, uh, and here's why. I kind of agree. I think Joel Embiid is a phenomenally gifted player who, when you take a look at today's game in the second half against the Celtics, where was he? What happened? Can you? Did anybody see he Joel Embiid? With Joel Embiid, I'll say I've seen the debate where people say he is overrated. I think it's because he's too comfortable taking perimeter shots. Overrated is cliche, and that's I'm way overstating it. He is an All Star caliber player. There's no disputing. Do you think he's, he should be more back to the basket than behind the three point? I think he, he should needs to be, want the ball. He, exactly. He w- needs to want the ball. He has Prime times time. when he does, and want he it. needs to defend. Yes, Clevis. Okay, defense. He needs to defend. That's a problem with almost every young star in the league. And defense. that's a problem for the league. But that's a whole nother that's topic. A, that's AAU. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a whole nother <laughs> Okay, topic. and then you get, we're, we're going to come full circle The true here. process. Okay. Uh, ben Simmons is a transformational player. He is as good as advertised. He is, uh, to me, right now an all-star. He is that good. His vision is exceptional. He is a very young and not as developed LeBron. Now, as a Sixers fan, how Wait important. Step back. A young and that's what he is. <laughs> He's six ten. He can't shoot though. For correct, now. correct. But if you saw today's game, I did the the fadeaway. That fadeaway the, the was mid, the mid range jumper, as yep. Mike Gorman said yep. on the on the telecast. He said if he hits that shot, then look out. we're in trouble. And I think that with Ben Simmons, that I think him not having jump shot actually helps him because on the perimeter you back him off. You want him to take it when you give him that space. He's twenty years old. He's going to the hoop and correct. create. That's absolutely. I think, I think right. it actually helps him in a way. Okay, Mark Helfoltz. <laughs> this is a pick that could set that franchise back. I think they regret it. <laughs> I, and look, I know he hasn't stepped on the court. I get that. He has not played an NBA game, and I was getting, you know, uh, just absolutely eviscerated on Twitter, and maybe <laughs> rightfully so, because when I go on a rant, Twitter's probably the last place you should ever go it on was, a rant. It made my day, though. But, 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 look, if you're the Sixers, you cannot tell me, well, Jason Tatum wouldn't fit in what we have. I, that that logic is the most moronic, inane, yeah. stupid argument you could possibly but, make. But Trey, you're, you're telling me you wouldn't want Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons on the court together because they wouldn't fit with Joel Embiid? That is absolute nonsense. Here's what I'll say: Maybe the Sixers didn't know Ben Simmons was this good of a point guard. I think knowing what you know now, you don't make the trade. You don't make the trade with the Celtics. I think if you'd redo it, you play Ben Simmons. He's at a the, point forward, not a yeah, point guard. You, but you by the way. The, he starts at the point guard position. You'd have the biggest lineup in the NBA if you could redo it. You might take Tatum or Josh Jackson. One, one of the others. But here's, here's the other side of it. Red Auerbach. I mean, Danny Ainge must have seen something in Fultz that no one else did, and it was definitely injury related. Maybe it was mentality. Not saying that he's not an intelligent guy, but maybe it was maturity related. Related. Yeah. It could have been any of those things. But Ainge saw it, 
and the Sixers should have known that Ainge saw something wrong in Fultz to pass on him. But let's think about it this way. All of Boston literally almost collapsed when Danny Ainge, and I just said that earlier, when he traded that pick. We didn't know it. The Sixers didn't know it. Danny Ainge knew something the rest of the, or his scouts knew something the rest of the NBA didn't. If the Sixers manage to make the playoffs, Brett Brown saves his job. If they don't, I like Brett you think Brown. his job's on the line? Absolutely. I do. Really? I mean, Clevis, have, have you seen how many point, how many leads and how, like even before halftime today, they lose comp- total, complete composure. And I'm not going to listen to the argument that, well, they're just a young team that hasn't figured out how to win. That's the, the Celtics are younger than but the, the Celtics have Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Brad Stevens. Now, and I, I like Brett Brown. I don't. I have yeah. any problems. Look, there. I think Brett Brown is a terrific coach. I'm fully aware. Greg Popovich said he doesn't know another coach in the NBA that could get out yeah. of the talent of Philadelphia that Brett Brown has. Look, that's his former assistant. I get why he's saying that. But if you're telling me that Brad Stevens wouldn't have 45 to 50 wins at the end of the year with that Philly roster, oh, there's um, no question. I don't, but buy I don't know how many other coaches would. I think with Brett Brown, you have to give him a two to three year leash with this team. Two to three years, which is a generous thing to in do. In the NBA, he, it's very generous. Since he was coaching that. <laughs> A horrible team. Yep, that won twenty games for three. Straight. That's the least you have to do for that man to make him okay. two to three years. Look, By then, they should be good. I, and I gave Brett Brown. I was watching this game with colleagues today, and I said, "Look, Brett Brown deserves a lot of credit. That team was fifteen yep. and nineteen, ran off four straight wins heading into today's game. They were up twenty-two points, and I'm thinking to myself as they're up 27 <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, the Sixer team. Maybe they right. finally figured it out." And then absolutely, they get punched in the mouth, and they roll over. They they did roll over. Let's let, before we step out of the Sixers locker room here. Uh, <laughs> the other thought is to you know you're talking about mental maturity, right? You know, so much in London and uh, Joel Embiid. All he did was talk about all the hot chicks in London. <laughs> you know, so let's step out of the Sixers locker room back into the Celtics locker yes, room. I have a quick question for you in particular. You've covered a lot of locker rooms. And last year, obviously, we were both there uh, for the Isaiah Thomas years. I've been going on radio, and Stu, we all, we all do spots mm-hmm. right here and there, and saying uh, people always ask, what's the difference between the Kyrie-led locker room and the Isaiah Thomas-led ro- locker room? I'm going to tell you, for me, this is a much more intense, more comparable to the KG locker room. That's, I Focused, intense locker room where Isaiah – was more, and there's no knock on Isaiah, no. but that locker room with Jay Crowder, and, and it was more loosey-goosey. You seen the same thing? I would agree, Nick. I think that's a very good take. I think Kyrie brings a different focus, a different sharpness, but I will say this. The, maturity, the biggest difference in that locker room this year is the maturity of Jalen Brown. He has stepped to that level that we were talking about Marcus Smart before. Jalen Brown has started to really take over the team. And Jalen Brown is, I think, regarded as one of the brightest uh, and most talented spokespeople on that team. Oh, well, he's going to yeah, be he's, yeah, he's going to be the Players Association. He's something special. Like I don't know if you guys seen his interview with um, yeah. The Guardian. Yeah, yeah. correct. He's talking I did. about sports as a mechanism. I was like, finally someone is saying yep. it. And he's just – this is my first year covering the NBA in the locker rooms. I used to go to the away locker rooms for yep. CLNS. And, just and you know what? You come out of the away locker rooms with amazing <laughs> exclusive stories on CLNSmedia.com. He's on a roll, man. He is on a roll. <laughs> I don't want to jinx him. God. I appreciate what I was saying is um, yeah. going from the Celtics locker room to the away locker room. I know it's my first year. You see the difference. 
Oh, for sure. Celtics locker room is more mature, more laid back. You can tell they genuinely like each other. Yep. But when you go to the away locker room, I've seen instances where it's divided. Where you have quiet guys on one side, stars on the other side. I've seen players from the opposing team come in late, maybe an hour before a tip-off. You can tell, like, that's the Celtics are winning. And culture. the home locker room is that's always, always dangerous, yeah. though, Clevis. I mean, when, when you read a locker room like that, because there are ex- can be extenuating circumstances. And when, when, when a team is on the road, I think the attitude um, and, and the logistics are a little bit different than when you're at home. Yeah. I mean, I, especially I, in the NBA when you travel so much. And I also think the other side of that, too, is no, no, no knock on TD, Boston, TD Garden. Uh, but, you know, the, the home locker rooms are quite a bit nicer and, <laughs> than they are. I mean, the way locker rooms are the size of this set right yeah. now. So I think that has a part to do with it, too. I just I think it's a valid point to bring up because everybody asks all the time whenever you do a spot, what are the differences in the locker rooms? Do you think it's comparable to the KG locker room? Uh, this locker room, I would say, is more comparable to the KG locker room than the last probably four or five years. Definitely. Even maybe the last two years of the KG locker room. Yeah, yeah I mean, last year in particular. The last, year, the last two years of the KG locker room was kind of funky. It was because, funky. Well, Rajan. Rajan. One thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm not here to the bash I Rajan. I'm, I, I get that. But <laughs> I'm not. Um, but he, he was a different personality. Everybody knew the limitations of Rajan's personality and, and the impact it had on that locker room. But KG from 08 to 11. Those were the most uh, intense, scary. but most, fo- but most focused, focused locker rooms I've ever been around. Yeah, and then, of course, no knock on Brad because he's nearly as good. But there was no better coach to cover than Doc because he loved to talk yes. when he had a voice. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. This has been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Anything yeah. else you guys want to touch on? Uh, we could talk about Larry Bird I mean, for another. Uh, I mean, that to me, I could we talk could about also Bird, say Dr. J. There's a very that could be an off-season episode. Yeah, I, have, I think so. I have a topic for you guys, a very hot topic on Twitter. If we still yeah, have do time. it, man. Um, so there's some controversy about Paul Pierce. And, uh, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen it, if he's really an NBA legend. I've seen it on Twitter where some people have called him. Oh, I've seen Nick's, Nick's about to go off. Seen people, some people call him a glorified Joe Johnson because he has oh. one ring. Oh. <laughs> so, obviously, we have. There are either... <laughs> Under the age of 18, <laughs> or they're just not watching. Look, Paul Pierce he, is a Hall of Famer. He's the one to answer It's because of the Isaiah Thomas situation, which is why I brought this no, up. Treggs is the guy to answer this. Yeah. Well, I, look, Paul Pierce is a Hall of Famer, and I think when he spoke about Isaiah Thomas, he was doing so, I think, from his heart. And I, I agree with him. And he's like, Isaiah, you had your chance. You had your moment. <laughs> I, that's kind of this is my deal. That's you know what the Celtics have been preparing for the pretty much the whole season. And... I, I understand Paul's frustration in, in that regard. I mean, uh, some fans might think it, it's just you know ninety seconds. Just yeah. give give him a break, Paul. But I agree with Paul one one hundred percent. Fifteen years versus a year and a half, and Isaiah, what he went through last season, we, it's overdone. We know about it, yeah. and and God, we thank him, of course. Right, he was wonderful with the community for sixteen months, two years. Paul Pierce was for fifteen. But the question is, because I, I believe it's probably Isaiah Trolls that are <laughs> saying Paul Pierce is not an NBA Hall of Famer or an NBA legend. Is Paul Pierce an NBA legend? Yes. Okay. It's very easily answered at that. Okay. Just got to make sure, clarify for the people on Twitter and social media that I've said that. And the other thing is, this is the first time this season that we're doing live broadcasts. Yeah. And, and this is a lot of fun. No, and this, this is, is your this is your chance. Look, 
to tee up what we're going to be bringing yes. down the road. So <laughs> basically, uh, we do the Garden Report, as our viewers know, after every single Celtics game. And there's sometimes a drag in getting the reports up because editing and every. We're going to start doing the game recap segment, which is typically Trags and Joe Sway live. So there's this and live And when we moment. do our live hits, we usually don't cover up the CLNS um, logo on the mics. Like the I mic. am right yeah. now? Right. Oh, I actually, so actually have my people... finger right across it. Isn't that funny? <laughs> okay, it's still there. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So and, and then during the playoffs, you will get the full-length locker – well, not locker room, podium pressers. We are going to run a live feed through the whole thing, so that way if you subscribe to the YouTube channel here on CLNS Media, you will get all of the pressers in high definition live, not shot on a cell phone, shot on the professional cameras. We are so excited about this. This is kicking it off or tipping it off. We're also going to be doing a lot more casual type segments like this in our studios here in East Boston. That's the way we are. That's the way we do. (laughs) That's how you got to do it. Oh, yeah, of course. When That's the, what yeah. we do, Nick. <laughs> After you're done with NFL season, you're definitely casual and loose. Yeah, I'm, right I'm, now you've I'm been wearing triples. Saturday night, yeah. you've been working triples. Working. Who do you got Saturday? What? Oh, I got the Patriots by seven. I think they're winning um, twenty to thirteen. On that note, it's a good take from Trags. Start <laughs> placing your bets. On that note. Wrap it I'm up, going man. to wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks for watching us, everybody. This has been the CLNS Casual <laughs> Garden Report from CLNS World Headquarters Ooh. here in Boston. I want to thank my co-hosts, oh, Nick Jelso, Clevis Murray. Appreciate it. This has been powered by CLNS uh, Media and DraftKings.com. Be sure to use promo code CLNS at DraftKings.com for one free match play. We'll wrap it up here in Boston for Nick Gelso and Clevis Murray. I'm Mike Petralia. Talk to you later.